Off we go once again, folks. My favorite time of the week. Or should I say, my favorite time of the week. Okay, that's uh, Swedish. That's all I know. <laughs> Another episode of Inside Curling. We had a small delay. Uh, Warren made me change my shirt. I was going to go shirtless, but I thought, no, that would be too distracting for you guys. <laughs> thanks very much, everybody, for joining us. Uh, thanks a lot to uh, Warren Hansen, of course, and Kevin Martin, our two World Curling Hall of Famers, and Alberta. And are you guys part of the Edmonton Hall of Fame? Kevin, you must be. I am, but for football, not curling. Yeah, you're in the Jim Jerome Hall of Fame, both of you. (laughs) (laughs) Thanks a lot. Uh, we got a great show coming up for you right now. Thanks a lot to our sponsor, Sports Interaction, who brings you what's happening around the curling world. Nestle Boost, the sponsor of Mailbag, County Tractor, who bring you Hot Rock Topics, and, of course, Goldline, who brings you in the house, and we've got a guest today. So uh, here's what's happening. Kevin's in Sweden. Kev, have you had a Swedish massage or a Swedish meatball yet? (laughs) Uh, I have not had the massage, but I've had a lot of meatballs. Yes. Swedish meatballs. Okay. Every day, actually. <laughs> <laughs> what you should do is have a Swedish meatball while you're having a Swedish massage. <laughs> uh, so we're going to speak to Kevin, of course, and get the, uh, an update on what's going on there. Ryland Hartley uh, is in the house. We've had him on before uh, to talk about Curling Live Tour. And the newly formed Players Association, Ryan's going to join us and provide an update on what is happening. I'm real curious to speak to him. Uh, Also, mailbag. What's happening around the curling world? The Canadian University Championships concluded this week from Sudbury. Also in Sudbury, coming up, is the Canadian Mixed Doubles Championships, uh, which starts shortly. Uh, We're going to review the teams and everyone involved. Uh, We had an announcement this week from two teams with a change in the lineup. Uh, the past week, we'll take a look at that. And I think there's been a last-minute change with another team. Uh, getting close to the end of the round, Robin, at the Women's Worlds. And we're going to make some picks. I've got a new design on picking where I can't lose. Because <laughs> 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 so, I'm getting my ass kicked. Hot Rock Topics. We talked a uh, bit before about the rules being used in Canada being the same as for the world events, or not the same. Three things were done uh, one way at the Briar and Scotties, and they're different than worlds, and we're going to try and figure that out. Warren and I were talking about it last night, and he's got something to say with that. Why can't they get in the same page, says Hanson. Why can't we get in the same page? All right, let's get to it. Kev, you're over in Sweden. Uh, you're probably on fumes right now. I don't know what the time change is, but I think it's close to midnight. And uh, going pretty good, Kev. Canada beat New Zealand. Uh, today, just a couple hours ago, to get them to five and two. What's your take on the whole thing, Kev? Bring us up to speed. Everyone complaining about the ice or the rocks? What's happening? Well, I, I hear that that's talked about quite a bit in Canada. Actually, not a whole lot here. Um, the ice. Let's not, let's talk about that for before I get into the teams at all. Um, it looks pretty good. Um, I did a morning game this morning with Joanne Courtney. The two of us did the game together and. It started out around 15 and a half seconds to the tee. Very quick, nice ice curling about three and a half, maybe up to four feet, but probably around three and a half feet. In the ninth end, two draws back to back, a 15.1. It slowed down a sliver over the entire game, but not much, still over 15 seconds. So I'd say the ice is pretty good. One thing that Savannah Terrans only told me um, when I had a good chat with her is it seems like it's super important to match the rocks properly. Some rocks tend to really curl. As soon as they get on a different path, they tend to die here because the, the, the quick spots are very fast and the other spots are not, which is pretty normal. But the amount of curl in all of the stones are is not the same. It's really important to match the stones properly. If you do, you're going to have pretty good success. If, if you have trouble with that, uh, that's when you get these interesting results where some stay straight now if they stay straight they're going to go away further than if they start to curl into the heavy stuff so that's what i think is happening quite a lot the ice seems to be pretty good but the rocks are kind of tough you need to really match them up properly as we talked the canada new zealand game just finished tonight they're actually going to touch the rocks up again they're going to sand the stones tonight what day today guys help me out tuesday night tuesday night i'm into wednesday morning here during tonight so starting wednesday morning you're going to see a lot more movement. And I guess the issue, you get the rocks figured out. As soon as you re-sand them, of course, they're all different. 
and here we go again. They you know have to match them up. So tomorrow morning's game should be pretty interesting. The afternoon will be tough, but then the you know the the teams will figure it out. All in all, uh, I would say the, the ice is okay, guys. And of course, I don't know what's being said in Canada. And I'm I'm right behind the sheet watching every game. The building, Jim, I want to talk about Uranson Arena. Uranson Arena. It's the home of a sport called bandy. What? And what bandy is is an ice sport with sticks. Not the same as a hockey stick. It's shorter than a hockey stick, and it's played with a ball. It's the size of a full-size soccer field. So this this building is massive. They actually, in 2016, had uh, 24 sheets of ice in the building. Wow. 24 sheets for the 100th anniversary of Swedish curling. It's a massive building. It's 11 on 11, and everybody's skating with sticks and a ball, and it's kind of played like soccer. Cool. Only on skates. So anyway, yeah, it's very cool, very big building. A two-hour drive north of Stockholm. Okay. So it's a little bit colder in Sandviken, Sweden, than it would be in, in Stockholm. Terrific hosts. Let's get into talking about the curling a bit, unless you've got a question for me. Not everyone's going to know what matching rocks means when you, when you talk about that. Who, who's matching what? Who's getting what? What choices do you have, if any? Explain that. Sure, that's fair. So on a sheet of curling ice, you have two teams of eight rocks, be it yellow and red, and each one is numbered from one to eight. Mm-hmm. And generally to start the game, uh, the lead will throw one, two, and then three, four, and the skip will throw seven, eight. But not all rocks are the same. Some curl more, some are straighter, some are keener, some are heavier, and that's all normal. That's not a bad thing. That's completely normal. But you need to be able to pair them up. You want the skips rocks to probably curl medium so that they don't pick, okay. but they run it in a consistent manner. And of course, the poor lead the worst two stones in the sheet, that's what the lead gets. Now, I hear some talk about the type of rocks being used. They're always Blue Hone Elsa inserts. I was going to say Ale certs, but it's a Blue Hone Elsa Craig insert, and they're being used here. The body of the rock are common Elsa or green Elsa. The common Elsa body is a very porous stone, uh, very low permeability. So, uh, there's no squish in the rock. They're very lively. You hear people talk about mm. lively rocks. These are because they're not permeable, which means that the air pockets aren't joined together. So they're like steelies in marbles. Mm-hmm. They bounce really, really well, but they're very porous. But that's not the part that touches the ice. The part touching the ice is Blue Hone Elsa Craig off the Isle of Elsa Craig off the Turnbury Coast. And it's low in porosity and, and almost zero permeability. They don't pit. They're a very fast running edge. Hopefully you can keep up with that. I am. I got you. Yeah. The rocks used in Canada quite often are a blue or a red treffer body, and that's high permeability and high porosity. So those squish like a golf ball on impact. So the striking bands last a lot longer, but they're not as lively. The rocks with Trevor aren't as lively as common Elsa body, but both cases will have a blue hone running edge. Maybe explain that a little bit further to the term lively, because uh, my observation would be that the quote lively, the ro- the rocks there are the surface, it's not as lively as it was at the Scotty. So maybe explain how the surface comes into this whole thing as well, along with the rocks. It's kind of a combination of the two. Well, sure. So the stones can be more or less lively. The ones here, the common else's are more lively stone than a treffer. There's no question about that because of the permeability. It's just science, nothing more than that. But the speed of the house, the hardness of the house also matters, the speed of the ice, as to how rocks bounce off each other. So, you know, there's there's more to it than just one thing. Certainly here, there's no problem making cross-house doubles. There's there's lots of action on, on the ice here. There's no question, especially with the amount of rotation that you use, depending on the shot you're trying to make. So that's getting into the weeds a little bit, but uh, I think that explains it pretty well. So if you like to draw, get a curling rock that draws. The curl's enough, you mean? Yeah. Well, yeah. But if it's curling lots and the ice gets flat near the end of the game, you've got to remember these are 10-end games, not 8-end games like in the Grand Slams. These are 10 with two big practices at the start. So you're going to get flattening down the middle. And the rocks that curl a lot, I always used to call they had teeth. And those teeth are going to come out when the ice gets flat. When the pebble is nice and crisp on top, then the teeth don't really come out and you get that nice curl. But late in the game, then you can have have rocks that pick, but they're not really picking. They just have teeth because they curl more to start with. So 
there's a lot of science to it, and that's why we were so lucky to have Jules Ochar, our coach, for all those years. He was the master of stones. And the teams that are doing well, you know, Savannah, Terrence Owen, they're doing well, and she just said straight up, Kevin, you need to do a really good job of matching rocks to have a really good chance in this building. And they must be doing a good job as a team and coaching staff because Alina Petz is shooting near 100% all the time, and she's getting the best pair. Right. There has to be something to it. If the ice is horrible, why can Alina Petz shoot 100 and, and other people can't? It doesn't make any sense. Like, she's still human. I know she's a really good curler, but she's still human. Mm-hmm. Good stuff. You've taught me something. Yeah. Yeah, I want to talk a little bit about the teams because, you know, Switzerland's on top at 6-0, obviously, just on fire and curling really good. But team I want to talk about is Italy at 5-2, and two, tied for second with Canada. Italy curling. My goodness, you guys. We've talked about it in the last few weeks. They're just good. <laughs> they're, they're improving <laughs> all the time. And it's really something to see. A, a young curling nation, they're really good in men's curling. Obviously really good in mixed doubles, gold medalists. Stefania Constantini and her her young, these are this is a very young team, tied for second at five and two, doing really well. The other teams of note are Norway and Korea. Uh, Norway, Kristen uh, Skaslian, a mixed double specialist, is, is really curling well also. And Korea, of course, they have many, many good teams. I really thought this was sort of the, the number three team in Korea, but boy, they're good too. The depth of, uh, of South Korea curling in the women's side is remarkable. So that's the kind of stuff I want to talk about. U.S. is hanging in at four and three. You know, some of the surprises are Sweden and Japan and Scotland all in the bottom half of the standings. Uh, that's going to change my picks. Nick Adeen's doing some of the coverage here. Oh. Because he's from Sweden. He's been doing some of the uh, play-by-play. And we weren't going to work together. And I asked if I could have a favor and get to do one game with Nick. So we're going to get to do a game with Nick Adeen tomorrow night. Pretty stoked. It's going to be really fun to do uh, play-by-play. Nick will be the analyst, and we're doing a game together tomorrow night. So we're really looking forward to that. That's Wednesday night. How are the crowds, Kev? When Sweden plays, boisterous. Yep. And, and ready to go. And if Sweden's not on the ice, there's not many people here. They're a, they're a hometown crew. Well, it's Anna Hasselborg, too. One of the, the favorites of, of the country. So Hasselborg's game ends a little early. Building's gone. <laughs> they're, here, they're here to watch Sweden with their Swedish flags and everything, and they're boisterous and ready to go. Yep. Cool. Good. Well, we'll watch. I'm sure it'll get busier during the week. Uh, mailbag brought to you by Nestle Boost. Complete nutrition to fuel your day. Uh, Here's an email which uh, follows up on some of the talks we've had in the last few weeks. Hey, guys. I follow the Facebook group and see lots of rants about which provinces, territories are being shown and how they want the best teams on TV all the time. I'm assuming these are the people who have the time to watch all the games and would end up watching anyway, no matter who is on. Personally, with work, two young kids, uh, and our own sports and meeting schedules, I was able to watch a few ends here and there. Uh, I couldn't care less who was playing. If anything, I enjoyed seeing teams that don't get shown multiple times each uh, time the coverage is on every weekend. Um, One other rant is having the championship game of a national event at 9 p.m. Eastern. I understand wanting it to be primetime TV, but when the game is going to finish at midnight or later for two-thirds of your population, not many people are going to last until the end to watch the sponsors advertising. (laughs) A little dig there, I'm sure. Or maybe they just assume the ads are ingrained into our minds already since they've been on a loop all week. Who's this guy again? Who's this guy, Jimmy? This this guy's funny. (laughs) You're getting sleepy. They're ingrained in your mind. (laughs) I'm walking around all day going, skip the dishes, skip the dishes. (laughs) By the time we got through the kids' bedtimes, I was off to bed myself. I don't even turn the game on. Thanks for the chance to vent. Keep up the great work on the show. And that's from Graham. Thanks a lot, Graham, for your email. Kev, what do you say to that? Uh, We'll get Warren's comments too. Don't we have to show the teams that get the biggest viewing audience? I think you need to show the teams that are the favorites and the ones near the top of the standings. Uh, And of course, ratings matter. That's how you get those sponsors that you can't stay up for. That's how you get the sponsors involved. And that's uh, by having really good ratings on television. Curling gets really good ratings. So mm-hmm. it's, it's all a business. And, uh, you know, you, the better you are and the better chance you have of winning, the more chance you have of being on TV. And I guess that's up to every team to get better and better so they get more coverage. 
Warren, you've had your hand in this for many, many years about television coverage. Who gets to see what? Probably some of it's a nightmare. What do you say to all this, Warren? How, how does it work and how can it be sort of settled? Well, I want to bring up two other things that he certainly mentioned. And one was the showing of the final game uh, coming in at nine, starting at 9 o'clock mm-hmm. Eastern. And during my time, we pretty much tried always to get the final games into a time frame of showing up into the Eastern time zone somewhere, either 6 p.m. or 7 p.m. So it was in the early part of the primetime evening. This year, he's right. Uh, having a thing going into Ontario in particular at 9, 9 p.m. is just too late. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think one of the reasons for that is uh, during my time, we only had the final game being played on on the Sunday. And I think what's happened this year with both the Scotties and the Briar, they had a semifinal and a final. And because the team that won the semifinal had to step on the ice into the final, they put about a three-hour period between the two games. So I think that was the cause of the issue. But I agree with him. The final games that mean something for the Canadian title should be in probably Eastern primetime or Ontario primetime, which is going to be probably on the West Coast is going to be coming in at 3 p.m. If we look at the other big games like the Super Bowl, the Great Cup, they start at 3 o'clock uh, on the Western time zone on Pacific, and they start at uh, 6 o'clock in Ontario. So I agree with him. The other one he brings up, which which is a funny one, and that's of the commercials. And I have to ask that myself. Some of those commercials, the, the music going into them, I have to instantly hit mute as soon as I hear it. Otherwise, I'm going to set my hair on fire. I can't believe that that is helpful to a sponsor of running the same ads a thousand times. It starts to annoy people. And I think this whole idea of commercials and how they're inserted and their length is a topic of the future. And as we get into more streaming digital, the time for these messages is going to be down in most cases is nine seconds. And uh, these 30 second commercials run over and over and over. To me, makes no sense. Very good, Warren. Uh, Kev? Well, I think Warren brings up a couple of really good points. And we talk about the length of everything these days, making sure things are quicker. The advertisement spot, I kind of think it follows the same line. It needs to be quick and concise. And and, uh, sponsors are super important to all of us, of course. And the, the length of time is something that needs to be talked about. Do you get as much bang for your buck as a sponsor with a 30-second ad, or could it be shorter? Like, it, does that make sense? Right. You know, I think that that's something that needs to be discussed, and, and even product placement, like a different way of looking at the entire uh, industry of sports, of curling. Can it be a, just a different way? And I think that makes sense. Certainly worth looking at, Jim. Well, I worked in radio for 13 years, you know, and, and there's no doubt about it that repetition sells. But we're into more of a period of time here where we're looking at uh, many cases, it's going to be the word identification. It's like I always say, I don't need to see a commercial on Coca-Cola to, for, to bring it to my mind. I just need to see the word mark. Right. And I, I think with a lot of things we're moving forward, uh, that appearance of a word mark, easily identifiable, is going to be far more impressionable than a repetition of a 30-second ad. What they have done is cool, though. We mentioned it before, is the, is the playthrough. You don't leave the game, and they split screen and show the ads, right, while the, while the game is still on. I like that. We've got this combination of linear television and stream, and how you deal with uh, the whole aspect of everything uh, on the two is going to be a clash, and, and it's, it's going to be amalgamated for a while, but eventually it'll come out the other side and it'll be different. Thank you, Graham, for the email. Uh, InsideCurling at gmail.com if you want to send us an email. Uh, we'd love to hear from you because, as you know, we read them each and every week. Time for what's happening around the curling world brought to you by Sports Interaction. You want to bet? You can do it at Sports Interaction. Get in on the action and make a play at Sports Interaction. You've got to be 19 years old or older to play and in Ontario only. And please play responsibly. Warren, the Canadian University Games concluded in my hometown in Sudbury. Bring us up to speed. Who won? Well, as you say, it was held in Sudbury, and interesting enough, in the same facility as the Canadian Mixed Doubles Championship is being played this week, so that's kind of a first. But on the women's side, uh, the University of Alberta Pandas out of Edmonton played the Dalhousie Tigers out of Halifax in the final, and the U of A came out the victor, 5-4 over Dalhousie. So congratulations to the winners from the U of A, lead Joe Simonman, second Brianna Cullen, third Kathan Clifford, and the skip Serena Ray Weathers. On the men's side, Wilfred Laurier Golden Hawks out of Waterloo, Ontario played another team from Dalhousie, another Tigers team. 
And this time, Wilfred Laurier was the victor, 9-7 to seven over the Tigers. So in both cases, the uh, men and women, Dalhousie made it to the final, so congratulations to them. And on the men's side, the winners from Wilfred Laurier, the lead, Benjamin Pierce, the second, Wyatt Small, the third, Kibo Malima, and the skip, Sam Mobroyek. Congratulations to that entire uh, operation, and uh, this is an important event to curling going forward, and one I think that's going to be growing every year is going to be the university championships. Go Pandas. That's right. Go Pandas. Our girls, our girls, U of A won it. We're in Edmonton, of course. A couple of announcements this past week of some players making some moves. Uh, Ryan Fry indicated he's going to retire. Uh, I'm getting to the stage where I don't believe these guys now when they say they're going to retire. <laughs> they all come back. They all come back. But he said he was going to step away from the game. Brad Jacobs makes the scene, announced he's going to be joining Reed Carruthers uh, for it looks like the balance of the quad as uh, third. Ryan Hardinen will be the alternate player for Brad Gushu at the Worlds in Ottawa. That's a great idea, right? The old brothers are back together. Uh, love that. And yesterday, Casey Scheidegger announced that her team is disbanding. Hmm. Kev, you go first in all the changes. Well, I think we, we talked about it a little last, I think it was last week, maybe two weeks ago, about the uh, gorilla in the room being Brad Jacobs and where he's going to land. And sure enough, he's made a decision to go with Reed Carruthers and, and who throws third, who throws skip will be, I'm sure, discussed going forward. It doesn't matter. You've got Brad Jacobs on your team. Your team will be better. <laughs> There's just no two ways about it. Um, so good for them. That's great for Reed, and uh, I'll congratulate him tomorrow when I see him at the rink over here in uh, in Sweden. Um, Ryan Fry, great career. You know, everybody just should just applaud him. And I uh, wish him the best. You, know, you don't have to play forever. At some point, you want to retire. And what a great guy and a terrific career. Championship team, Olympic gold medalist. So good on him. Casey Scheidegger, that was a bit of a surprise. Good team. And uh, that's a lot of really good athletes. So now, where, where do they all fall in around the game? That'll be uh, interesting to see. And, of course, we're all happy for Ryan Harden. I don't think there would be one person in the, in the entire country that doesn't applaud uh, him going to the to the Worlds with, uh, with EJ. So all good that way. And Ryan Fry, you know, you can't be sad when people retire. He's had a great career. You know, just applaud him. And, uh, you know, and, and, and the game moves on. And Ryan's been terrific. Yeah, and we're at, we're at a day and age where curling's full-time now. So, so I, I understand that. Uh, Kevin, does it uh, surprise you? That Brad Jacobs uh, is coming back not as a skip? Well, I said they'll be discussing that. <laughs> oh, okay. I'm not positive he won't be the skip in some time. Brad's, a, Brad's a, one of the top-of-the-shelf players in the world. He'll probably start out at third, but, you know, Reed, Reed's a smart guy. If you see Brad Jacobs uh, throwing 96% all the time and, and Reed's going to be going, well, I'd love to have a skip throwing 96%. And he would move down to third in a heartbeat. So I kind of think that'll probably happen over time because he's just so good. That's all. But you know, Jim, you mentioned a few changes here. There's going to be a lot more. This is not the end of the changes. This is the first year of the quad. Right. You can make any changes you want right now. It doesn't hurt your uh, chances of going to the next Olympic game. So it has just started. There will be more. And Brad can, uh, Brad will throw the skip rocks as a third. That's my prediction. <laughs> <laughs> well, he might. It's hard to say. For, for now, Reed will throw the last ones, but uh, but Brad's a good one. Okay, Warren. Boy, my hometown is on the map, baby. Uh, the Canadian mixed doubles are going to get underway in Sudbury. What do you say, Warren? Well, this is a couple of kind of interesting things here. The fact this is an Olympic medal sport being played the same week as the uh, World Women's, and there's 32 teams in it. They're being divided into four pools of eight, and they will play a round robin. Out of that, there will be 12 teams qualify. So it's pretty clear the top four teams are going to go straight to the finals. The next eight teams will play down to four, and then they'll join those four that already got the bye into the final elimination, and they'll eventually play it out to, to two teams in a final. So that's all going to happen this coming weekend. Uh, fairly comp complex. Uh, the teams to watch, I think uh, Gallant Peterman would have to be number one. They were the 2019 winners, as you may recall. And the mixed doubles, because of the pandemic, the only other really Canadian championship in this area that's been played since the pandemic was the one in the bubble, which uh, Kerry Anderson and Brad Gushu won back in uh, 2021. 
The other teams to watch, this is an interesting one. Clancy Grandy's playing with John Morris. Rachel Holman's with Tyler Tardy. Perennial contenders in mixed doubles, Nancy Martin and Tyrell Griffith. Jen Jones and Bent Gallant. Cadriana Colton-Lott. Tracy Fleury, Jake Horrigan. Laurie St. George, Felix Asselin. And Jennifer Armstrong playing with Brad Jacobs and Laura Walker with Kirk Myers. I think those are the teams to watch, and uh, I would expect one of them will be the victor come next weekend. Tell me why that one of your best mixed doubles team was made up of Carrie Anerson, and they hold it on the same weekend of the world's women's, so she doesn't get to play. I don't understand what they're thinking here. In my opinion, this event should probably be played in February. It should be part of their television package. It's an Olympic medal sport. Uh, this whole process, there's 32 teams. We've got a representative from every province and territory, mm-hmm. so there's 14 of those. And then uh, another 18 on top of that. So I guess it's like Kevin said a couple of weeks ago, do we have 32 teams in Canada that can really be capable of representing the country? I don't know. What do you think, Kevin? Well, 32 is a lot, so I would say no. Well, they could represent, but if represent where they could win, probably not. Um, but there's probably in mixed doubles... There's probably eight to ten that are are, yeah. are top shelf, but to not involve your best ladies team in Canada, because yeah. obviously they can't involve them because they're busy. They're in Sweden, so um, it makes no sense. There's uh, lots of weeks you could pick a week when Carrie Anderson's not busy, or Val Sweeting, or Shannon, or Brianne, or whatever the case may be. But and it doesn't matter who wins Canada, like if it's Rachel Holman's team or if it's. Shy Digger's team, or you pick the team. These are your top players, and why wouldn't we want them playing mixed doubles with our flag on the back? I don't know. I don't, it doesn't make sense to me. 100%. Be interesting to see what Mr. Murdoch does with this whole issue of the players not being allowed to compete in both, which again, I, I don't agree with, but we'll see what happens for this next squad. Warren, quickly tell me, how, do, how does a mixed doubles team, uh, how do they end up at the Olympics? How do we qualify them? It's uh, much the same process as the uh, men's and women's trials. There's a, there's a playoff. Um, and, and, of course, there wasn't able to be one held this last Olympics, but you're not allowed to play in both. There's another reason that we're – so we're not going to get the best teams. <laughs> <laughs> well, who knows? But Maybe this is all going to change. But I should mention one other event that's happening this week. It's in Moose Jaw. It's the Canadian Wheelchair Championship. And uh, there's 12 teams participating. They are into two pools of six. They play around Robin. I believe three teams qualify. They go into a sudden death playoff, and the winner will be determined also next weekend. We've got the round robin going on at the Women's Worlds. Six teams advance uh, to a playoff that starts on Saturday. So before we make our picks, try not to make it too painful, Warren. Explain to us how playoff systems, how it's going to work here. It's a, a little simpler than Canada, but it's still a little complicated. So six teams are going to qualify. The top two teams are going to go straight to the final fours. And then the other four teams are going to play off. I believe number three plays number six, four plays five. And those two winners go ahead and uh, three, six plays the, the one team and four, five plays the, the two team. And from there, it's sudden death, which is the aspect I don't particularly like about it because as example here, Terranzoni could go through this thing undefeated. And with six teams qualified, that number six team, could. I think they're going to have at least four losses. So they're put potentially into a sudden death situation with a team that's uh, not got a great record, but that is the way it is. So let's talk about our picks. I'm, I'm changing this a bit. You had us each picking six teams. We're not, we're going to act as a team, Kevin. Okay. The three of us, and we are going to collectively pick six teams and I'm going first. Then Warren's going to pick the next two and you're going to pick the last two. Okay. So I'm going to go with Switzerland. <laughs> I'm going to go with Switzerland and Canada. Okay? I like your chances, Jimmy. <laughs> Boy, Jim. Well, you make it fairly easy for me too, Jim. So I'm going to go with Italy and Korea. And then Kevin's going to have to do the stick handling here. Kevin's got the tough one. Yeah, well, uh, you've got Italy and Korea. So I'll definitely pick Norway. They're doing very well. And you know what? Anna Hasselborg, I know she's only at three and three, but you can't count them out. They're at home. They've got the crowd support. So I'm going to pick Sweden coming out of mid to low pack and squeaking into the playoffs. <laughs> well, that's interesting because because those are the picks I would have made as well. Go to Sports Interaction. You want to uh, make a bet. There's our six teams. We're going to help you. 
Switzerland, Canada, Italy, Korea, Norway, and Sweden. Go lay some cash on them at Sports Interaction. Excellent. See my new format? If I lose, you all lose. <laughs> That's uh, what's happening around the curling world. Hot Rock Topics is brought to you by Coyote Tractor. If you have work to do, Coyote has the tractors, the UTVs, and the ZTRs to do it. We dig dirt. We've talked a bit uh, before about Canada not using the same rules for a number of things as the WCF. And as I understand it, Warren, and talking to you last night, we're the only country that doesn't use the same rules as the WCF. Why can't they get in the same page? What's going on? We probably are as far as uh, Canada's always uh, kind of done their own thing, and this kind of goes back to many years ago and uh, when Canada always were trying to set the trend for the world, and if the world didn't go along, then Canada was going kind of down their own path. So to some degree, we're, st- we're still doing that with a few things, and, and I look at it this way. I look at the Briar and the Scotties. Those are playoffs to send a team to the world championship. That's their purpose. And uh, to give that team the best chance, they should be looking at the same situations in Canada as they are going to be at the world. So I can pick three things right off the top here that are happening over there that are different in Canada. The first one is timeouts. And I saw the Anderson team get caught in a bit of a bind. I think it was in their first game where they're in the last end and they're about to call a timeout. And then Kerry says, oh, I, I forgot we've only got one timeout. Right. And uh, so they had to kind of backtrack. So in Canada, they get two timeouts. At the Worlds, they get one. I'm of the opinion that uh, just extend the time that the teams have and let them have timeouts anytime they want to. The other one that's different, and this is really, I think, another really important one, Canada, we have tiebreakers. At the world, we don't. And uh, if you're playing in Canada and you know that tiebreaker situation is there, you're you're probably going to be looking at things a little differently than you are if you don't, particularly when it comes to the less draw challenge to the button. And this go back to the Olympics last year. Canada did very poorly in this, and they ended up being, I think Jennifer Jones was eliminated because they finished ninth in the draw to the button. And so obviously these other teams are spending more time at that because they fully realize the importance of it from day one, that because there's no tiebreakers at the world, that draw shot challenge really, really means something. The final one I look at is the playoff system, and it's the same thing. I mean, I was always, throughout the 80s and early 90s, the world had that 14 playoff system. And we had, for a while, a three-team, and then we had the page. And uh, I never liked that 14 playoff system, but if that's what they're going to have to face at the world, maybe they should be facing it in Canada as well. Those are my concerns, is that to give our teams the best shot from Canada, they need to be looking at the same things in both instances. What do you think, Kevin? The timeout part, that's just a kind of a matter of knowing what you're doing. It doesn't really matter to me. The, the tie break, that's a big one. That is a very, very big one. And, uh, you know, Jennifer did lose out because of that. She knew it going in, though, and that's all about broadcast, I think, timing, not having to save that extra slot or two, depending on how many teams are tied and that kind of thing. So going forward, getting rid of the tie breaks is probably the future. They're probably not going to exist anymore. So then we might as well do the same in Canada as far as that goes. And as far as the playoffs go, I, I just think make it simple so that like, if we want to expand our viewing audience and, and expand how many people watch our wonderful sport, just keep it simple. All we're trying to do is crown a champ at the end. Let's, let's shorten the event up, crown a champ, carry on, go to the world championships. I'll tell you what, that seems really bizarre, man. I, I don't, so if you're tied, you know, there's no tiebreakers, Warren, like you pointed out, because they don't have time. So you throw a draw shot at the start of each game. I'm eight inches and you guys were nine inches and you're out of the playoffs. Brutal. Got to be something better than that. It's the way things are going in sport. Uh, as you're well aware of the shootout in hockey and the shootout in soccer, it's the same circumstance. And I mean, you can't have games that go on forever because there's just no time and place to do it. And in, in, in a day and age where everything is being shortened up and tightened up, those type of things have to be a thing of the past. And it's, it's different, but we're going to have to get used to it. Like golf, if I'm tied with you, instead of a playoff, if I'm tied with you, it's like, okay, well, you made more putts, so you're out. I win the freaking FedEx Cup. It's brutal. Anyway. <laughs> hey, it is a hot rock topic. I'm getting into it. <laughs> hey, thank you to Coyote for that. Listen to the Inside Curling podcast ad-free on Amazon Music, included with Prime.
All right, it's time for In the House. Okay, I hear you. Just give me a second, would you? In the House is brought to you by Goldline. Goldline Curling's new impact broom maximizes performance for carry, hold, and carve. We talked about that today. Learn more at goldlinecurling.com. Allow me to read to hear for 20 seconds about our guest. Uh, the headline of this article, Formative Steps Underway for Curling Players Association. A new quadrennial has done little to improve the often perplexing elite curling scene, a sport that still clings to amateur roots despite a growing shift to professional status seems stunted by a lack of unity amongst the various power brokers. Many elite domestic and international curlers have had issues for years with scheduling, convoluted ranking point setups, rule changes, and in many cases, a general lack of communication. I'm quoting here. There's not a whole lot of working together with this, says Skip Matt Dunstone uh, in a recent interview. It's a bunch of separate entities running their own thing. Ryland Hartley is hoping to change all that. Uh, welcome back to the show, Ryland. Uh, for those who missed the first time we had you on, is that the reason for your whole idea of starting this new association uh, that you talked about? Nicodine is is part of it. You're adding events to some existing events. Bring us up to speed on uh, everything you're doing. Yeah, thanks so much for having me back, everyone. And uh, yeah, there's a whole lot to, to talk about and update on on all of these projects. Um, you know, Players Association was sort of the first way that I wanted to bring a few different players and teams together to start talking more broadly about the sport. Uh, and excited now that, you know, going into next season, we're now ready to announce a few new events, as well as partnerships with some existing and former WCT events uh, under the new uh, sort of Players Tour branding uh, that we've put together. So very excited to be here to talk about that with, with all of you. So, Ryland, uh, thanks for joining us. And uh, you and I were chatting a bit yesterday, and, and I guess you're, you're about to make a big announcement about some events you've added to your, your tour operation this year, the, the Players Tour. So why don't you tell us a little bit exactly what the Players Tour is and the events that you have added to it that are going to be announced soon? Yeah, absolutely. So the Players Tour is is really sort of a, a call to arms to bring some events together, uh, similarly to how we did with the Players Association, just connect some uh, existing events so that way we can benefit things like the schedule, uh, develop more of a professional tour system, um, help players see pathways from developing athletes to intermediate and professional athletes in the sport, and ultimately start to promote um, the talent that we have on the ice um, in new and exciting ways. Um, so we're excited to announce today that we have three new events that we're adding to the schedule next year that are going to have a combined additional purse of $300,000 between those events um, added to the, the prize pool for players to play in these events next year. Um, and those events will be, you know, uh, held in Dundas, Ontario, Lloydminster, Alberta, and Denver, USA, uh, inside of our, our existing schedule of events that we've also been working to organize on the tour for next year. So do you want to tell us uh, exactly what your your main events are and when they're going to be and uh, what's going to be happening? I, I believe this is a, this is interesting news because I look now at the Grand Slam total prize pool of about $2.1 million, And with your addition here, the players now in the fall of the year are going to have over $3 million to play for, which I think that's uh, pretty interesting. That's moved pretty fast. Yeah, that's substantial. You know, the, these events are events like the the Shorty at the start of September, uh, you know, September 20th to 24th, ATB Classics and Okotoks, uh, you know, we'll be there again for our broadcast September 21st to 24th. Um, we have the new event, the Players Open in Dundas, October 12th to 15th, right before that Niagara Falls Slam. You know, that's in the exact same area code. Uh, we have Halifax November 1st to 5th, uh, right before the National and Pick 2. Um, we have, you know, a new event in, uh, you know, the Aztec Safety Challenge in January 10th to 14th, right before the Canadian Open. We have familiar events like New Floors Classic and Western Showdown that lead right into the Saskatoon event uh, and a new event called Altitude in Denver, Colorado in the new year in 2024. Um, but the big emphasis here being that, you know, our largest events are happening right before the weekends of these slams in the same geographical locations, uh, which I really think improves the schedule for traveling teams, um, you know, even Canadian teams that are traveling to be able to participate in a lot of high quality curling uh, in back to back events in these regions. Thank you very much for uh, for doing this, Rylan. You and I haven't uh, spoken for a long time, so I'm really interested in all of this. Um, <laughs> one question I've got, though, about this. I, I think this is great. Is there any math right now that um, the size of the event to be part of the Players Tour has to be 
X times uh, whatever the entry fees are? Is there is there a size? Because I think it's really important that events that people play for their own money, like yeah, those have to go away. Mm-hmm. Or, or became maybe a an yeah. entry level yeah. that the best players are not, they're simply not allowed to play in. You have to have, if it's entry fee times two or entry fee times four or entry fee times 0.5, whatever it is, is does that math exist right now, Rylan? Yeah, I mean, we're, we're working towards that a little bit. Um, for next season, we're not going to be barring any, you know, specific uh, teams or, or rank of teams from, from various events. Um, but we are working on a tiered system. So we're trying to build a three-tiered system, um, a little bit more similar to maybe what you would see in like ATP Tennis, um, where essentially you have, you know, your, your next-gen uh, tier called Next, which is Tier 3. Uh, you have an intermediate tier, Tier 2, and then sort of a pro tier and Tier 1. Um, and right now, what we're doing to just sort of create those cohorts of events is we're saying, you know, certain events to qualify as that tier to get things like broadcast to get certain levels of promotion from players tour and our, our you know our staff is to be able to you know say hey what is the prize purse what is the total number of teams what is the quality of teams at these events and just start to see a little bit more consistency week to week um, which i also think is going to uh, allow teams to start to plan their seasons a little bit differently than they have in the past as well so all this being said, Ryland, um, uh, when we originally talked to you, and even before we had you on the first time, we've we've had we we get unbelievable guests, and we've had we've had Brad on, and we've had Ben Hebert, and we've had Mark Kennedy, and on and on and on, like the best curlers in the world. And um, a lot of the talk we had with them, each and every one of them, was them complaining about not having a seat at the table with Curling Canada. Uh, you know, issues about, as it said in this article, you know, issues have had. You know, they've had about scheduling, convoluted ranking setups, rule changes, on and on, sponsorships. I can't help but think, are you going to get some pushback from Curling Canada? How's this all working? Are you competing against them? What's happening with a bunch of the players looking at all of this? Yeah, so, I mean, I've been saying it from the beginning of, uh, you know, coming on the podcast a few months ago when we announced stuff with the Players Association till now, um, you know, we are trying to enhance uh, curling, you know, and if if Curling Canada and World Curling Federation want to collaborate with us and, you know, reach out and contact with us uh, and work on this. And similarly, I have had those conversations with a number of those those representatives uh, about this, about this tour system, about the, the association. You know, we are trying to approach this collaboratively um, to enhance everyone's operations. Um, you know, I think having a more organized schedule benefits, you know, all of these different entities. I think having a more organized and unified player voice benefits the entire game. But it's a matter of how we use it that's going to have the biggest impact. Um, you know, I can't speak for Curling Canada or World Curling Federation specifically, um, but with our Players Association group, you know, we are going to be allowing uh, those players to govern some of the rulings at these events. We're going to be working in in tandem with our event organizers and ourselves with the Players Tour to try to implement as many things that the players want to see at these events and just ensure the overall health of the tour and these players that, that compete that are the product on the ice. Let's stay on that note for a minute and uh, the Players Association. Uh, you indicated to me you have about 100 people signed up right now. So maybe give us an update on mm-hmm. where that whole thing sits and also an explanation mm-hmm. of the Players Tour Ambassador Program. Exactly what is that? Yeah, absolutely. Thanks, Warren. So, you know, we have a, a little over 100 uh, signatures on our letter of support, as well as our 10 executives that are part of the initial interim leadership. Um, you know, and that's just sort of a first uh, step, you know, I would really like to see that get to about 300 or 400, uh, you know, athletes that have pledged their support for this, um, you know, by the, you know, the start of next season. Um, you know, again, I don't think that we're going to have too much uh, in place as far as voting and things like that for a little while yet. Um, you know, we've had a, a number of, I would call them substantial meetings with the Players Association uh, interim leadership um, to go over, you know, uh, tentative bylaws, draft documents, things of that nature. Um, and, you know, there's, there's going to be a little bit more work to do before that uh, gets sent out to a lot of other teams and reviewed uh, even further, but hoping to include as many voices at that table as possible. Um, And in the meantime, I've been working primarily uh, on this series of events. Um, One of the things that uh, you you touched on there is this new Players Tour Ambassador Program. Uh, We're working with Caitlin Mulligan from Aztec Safety on developing a little bit of a new program 
uh, that can help with with actually lowering tour costs for athletes that come to these events and provide things like equity in events uh, long term with what we're trying to build with the tour. You know, this is players tour. So we see it as something that, um, you know, if if the administrative side and the tour side is doing well, then and receiving benefits, then athletes that are part of this program should also be receiving the same benefits. You know, it should be sort of a tide that lifts all boats as we grow this tour and, and promote this tour. Um, so the athlete ambassador program are things like, you know, hosting clinics on the Wednesday before our events where players are already at the event and they're practicing. Now they can come out, be a part of that clinic and be rewarded and compensated for being there. Um, these are things like, you know, meeting with sponsors and doing signings and, and you know, media engagements while they're at the event. These are things that, you know, the, the cost of the tour is going up, you know, year over year, entries are getting more and more expensive, travel's getting more expensive. It's harder to be uh, a competitive traveling uh, curler. Um, so we need to make sure that these events are situated in the schedule in a way that is efficient for teams, but is also, you know, enabling these teams to come out, uh, do a little bit around the event and and be able to to get some funds back on their entries to to compete more. So how am I going to be able to watch these events, Ryland? Yeah, I mean, a lot of these events are going to be streamed through Curling Live. Um, we're going to try to kind of continue to build the streaming side of the sport. Um, you know, I think that we're, we're, we don't have an appetite particularly to have these on network broadcasts. I think a lot of the goals that we have with the tour is to engage with new audience. And, you know, definitely my position with Players Tour is that streaming is the best way to do that in curling uh, and also the most affordable way to do that in curling. So that's where we're starting. Rylan, you're not you're not the live golf tour of curling, are you? <laughs> I, I hope not. <laughs> they got lots of money, man. Don't eliminate it. <laughs> very good, Ryland. Uh, thank you very much for coming. That's a great update. And uh, you're so well-spoken and so well-versed about this. And uh, it looks like they got the right guy in the corner. Congratulations on, on all the inroads you're making with this thing. And we look forward to uh, hearing from you again down the road and watching the growth of the great game of curling. Yeah. Yeah, uh, well, just before you take off on us here, I, mm-hmm. you, I said before, you and I haven't had a chance to talk for a long time. I, I really appreciate the fact you're putting a, um, a shoulder programming around the Grand Slams so that teams can come in early mm-hmm. because time change is a factor. So they can come in and play a good, solid event right before or even right after a Grand Slam event, a major event. I think that's fantastic. Now, as you know, the Grand Slams tend to move um, city to the next. The one that only stays still basically is the one in the players in Toronto. Would you be considering doing that as well, changing lo- locale, or or try to stay somewhat consistent? What are you th- What are you thinking with that? I love the fact that you're thinking of of you and I have talked about this at length about shoulder programming mm-hmm. around these major events in mm-hmm. many ways, from instruction to corporate events to a major bond spiel. So I guess, how do you deal with that um, going forward? Yeah, I mean, it, it'll remain to be seen in, in future seasons. I mean, our main focus right now is just on creating profitable events for clubs to tour and players alike, right? Um, if we can do that, I think we'll continue to have success. But, you know, I think that, you know, our theory is that, you know, events probably should be connected together and, you know, it should remain the easiest for teams to travel to these larger events and and events of similar size and you know similarly we're organizing the tier two and the tier three similarly so that there's less overlap regional teams have better chance to travel and play more events um, and we can bring some of the tour costs down that way Um, but really at the end of the day our theory is basically that you know um, we have an amazing product on the ice uh, and the rest of the sport sort of hasn't kept up with that on the promotional side the organizational side there's a lot of work to be done there Um, so i don't know exactly what it'll look like in future seasons but I imagine we may approach, you know, uh, certain events that that may be situated better in the schedule on certain weekends. And, you know, the theory is that the players and the Players Association, they know how to handle things on the ice the best out of anyone else. And they should handle things like governance. Similarly, the club knows how to run their and manage their club. And, you know, we need an entity like Players Tour, um, you know, and Curling Canada and other tours uh, within the sport to be able to step up and say, hey, we need better organization. We need promotion. We need to really be able to come into a club uh, any weekend of the calendar and make sure the event is is healthy and successful for these teams. Ryland, I would, uh, I'd like to make a comeback from my days of emceeing in the patch <laughs> until Warren fired me. Right, right. <laughs> no, it wasn't me that fired you, Jim. 
<laughs> I fired myself. I managed to handle that myself. I'm going to make a comeback. I want to go MC everything in the beer gardens with all your new events. Okay, I'm ready. I'm ready. And, and you know, that's an interesting point too, Jim, because these events are different than a lot of other events. You know, Players Tour is focused on entertainment and culture, not just the curling side of this. So we really imagine, you know, uh, seeing, you know, things like a Thursday kickoff concert at these events, um, having engagement in the community's social events around the event. Um, and starting to grow this as more of a, you know, a festivity that someone goes out and participates in as a fan or as a spectator um, beyond just simply the, the teams that are there are the ones that are supporting the event. You know, we've got to start promoting this in a way that gets out to community. I know that's music to Warren's ears, talking about getting the young people. Uh, I'll, ra- I'll waive my $40,000 fee. You and I will talk later about coming in to MC those events. <laughs> You're welcome anytime, Jim. Ryan Hartley has been our guest. Thanks a lot, Ryan, for joining us. And I know... We'll be talking to you again soon. Absolutely. Take it easy. Good luck with everything, Rylan. Appreciate it. You too. Thanks so much. Thanks a lot, Rylan. Thanks, Rylan. Good, good show. I thought I was very good today, Kevin. I really did. I thought I was excellent today, Warren. <laughs> You didn't yell at me. I got the show under. I got the show under an hour. Very close. Yeah, maybe. Uh, <laughs> I just thought I was excellent. Uh, <laughs> speaking of excellent, Rod Paulson is in his company, In House Strategies. He does all the great work uh, on our Facebook page and our Facebook group. Check it out, and why don't you join? We'd love to hear from you. InsideCurling at Gmail dot com is where you can get a hold of us. Also, uh, we're looking for your input a little bit about. Uh, we'd like some feedback about what you like about the show, what you don't like about the show. Uh, Take it easy now, okay? Don't get mean, okay? Uh, And maybe we should add another segment or two, and uh, we're always evolving, always trying to help uh, the show along. So for you, the listener, more of me. No, no, okay, that was was an email to myself. Uh, (laughs) uh, Thank you again to Sports Interaction, Coyote Boost, and Goldline, who make all of this possible. Uh, Goodbye, but only for now. Uh, We are going to come to you again just before the weekend playoffs for the Women's Worlds over in Sweden, where Kevin will remain. And uh, we're going to do a show on Friday. So we'll get you an update and we'll see. I guess we'll know how our six teams. We'll know how our six teams have have shook down by Friday. Do you see where I learned a lot where I said Brad Gushu wouldn't make the playoffs? I went full on Swiss Canada. (laughs) We'll We'll be in there. Kev, go back. Uh, go, go lie down. Go get a massage, Kev. The Swedish massage. Have a sauna or something. All right? Get some rest, buddy. We'll talk to you later, Kevin. We'll see you, Warren. Thanks, Jim. Hey, thanks a lot, Jim.